Welcome to The Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stresses, are often offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who in this time of crisis are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And today we have as our guest, Dan Kayer, who is a teacher and a writer. He's a teacher of the Alexander Technique and meditation teacher, and he's also a writer. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here. Can we start with the Alexander? I think many people know about it, but could you tell us more about what the Alexander Technique is and how long you've been teaching that? Yeah, sure. So the Alexander Technique is a, a set of skills for um, really managing our our whole kind of mind-body, and I'll, I'll put some more details on that. So the Alexander Technique has been around 100 years, and it's often associated with performing arts or done in settings where people are experiencing pain or struggling with their posture. So to learn the Alexander Technique is to learn these set of skills that basically improve our overall coordination. They help us move with more balance and ease, help us um, breathe easier and, and really respond to the kind of demands of life and the stresses of life in a different way. And the Alexander Technique has some hands-on component, but it's really a lot about awareness. And, and it's a, I actually also teach it in this form of swimming called the art of swimming. So I use the skills of the Alexander Technique to help people learn how to swim. Many people who have fear of water or some kind of injury as well. So it's really a way of kind of learning how to unwind our habits. That's um, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, and I've been teaching it, well, I, I've been teaching it for um, uh, almost a decade. I, I was certified actually about eight years ago, but I was teaching this form of swimming that uses the Alexander Technique while I was still in training. So, you know, overall about eight to 10 years. And as I understand it, you came to this out of necessity as opposed to, oh, gee, let's just teach this. That is definitely right. I definitely did not um, plan on becoming an Alexander Technique teacher. I didn't know what it was. Um, I was in my mid-20s. And actually, it's it, it, it began before I had a chronic health crisis, but just before. So I was had been um, a pretty regular meditator. And when I was meditating, was experiencing back pain, and I was experiencing like anxiety in my chest, in my throat. And I reached out for a meditation instructor at the Shambhala Center where I had been studying. And they said, you know, there's this body person, Hope Martin, you should go talk to her. And it turns out she was a an Alexander Technique teacher, and she introduced me to it. And I started taking group lessons pretty soon before I developed this kind of pretty profound health crisis in which it really became a very central part of my recovery. If you don't mind talking about it, what was your health crisis? Sure. Um, I, again, is about 25 or so and was um, working full time and, uh, and doing a lot of writing on the side, a lot of um, fiction writing and applying to get an MFA. And I started to develop this kind of weakness in my wrists and what just seemed like a little bit of tendonitis at first. And within a matter of months, it became something that I was really a pain that I was experiencing kind of from my fingertips to my neck. 
and I really wasn't able to type without a lot of pain. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So within several months, I uh, couldn't really like dial a phone, uh, couldn't uh, type a sentence on a computer and uh, what was very limited even in terms of, you know, carrying a box, uh, opening my mail, um, such that, you know, there were a couple of years where I couldn't read a book. I couldn't turn the pages in a book. Uh, wow, that sounds very scary. Yeah, it was it was uh, overwhelming and and, uh, and terrifying. It definitely, you know, I saw 30, 40 doctors I thought thought that I had it. We, we went through a number of very scary diagnoses, none of which thankfully turned out to be true. That's good. Did you come up with a diagnosis that was true and that you could work with? Uh, well, we came up with something I could work with, but it was never really like a neat fit with anything. You know, the um, neuropathy is sort of the diagnosis that we kind of settled on, which um, right. is not so specific a, a diagnosis. We ruled out a lot of stuff. A lot of frightening uh, things, right? Yes, exactly. Well, that's good. And so the the Alexander Technique helped you to regain the, I see we're doing this on a Zoom call and I can see you picking up a cup of coffee or tea there. Um, so you obviously have the use of your hands and arms. Yes, well, interestingly, you know, so this is now 12 years after it started. Um, the only, the only, and, and they're somewhat significant only, but the only remnants of this are that I um, are around fine motor movement, like uh, typing or right. using my phone. I can play guitar, I can do pull-ups, I can swim, I can use a hammer, I can do all these things, none of which I used to be able to do. But so the, my abilities have really grown and my remnants are, are kind of those very specific activities, which as it turns out, using a touchscreen and typing are fairly common activities in 2020. <laughs> yes, indeed. Much uh, more so than they might have been a year ago. Yeah. Yes. And and you use a voice act, voice recognition system? Yeah, I do to send all my emails, to do all my writing and control my computer. Yeah. Right. Well, besides the, that happening in terms of, you know, the the pandemic, how else has you been affected by that? By having by the pandemic or the health crisis. Well, right? the, the health crisis was clear. I mean, I, you can yeah. explain how much you want about that or where you go, but where you went with that um, once you found the diagnosis or the, the way to heal it. But I take it you used Alexandra as your base for getting well. It it was a big part of it, and so was meditation. And, and kind of specifically, I had come across this wonderful teacher named Jeff Rubin, who was doing a program called Unconditional Healing, which was really a, kind of like a meditation support group for individuals who were dealing with illness and adversity. And it was this setting. I had been to a support group for people with kind of repetitive stress injuries, but this was totally different in that it was really about your own growth and using the tools of meditation and Buddhism um, and using your own experience of adversity as a way of being more present, of, of waking up, of not putting life on hold until some future date in which everything is resolved. Because um, that's kind of the state we're all in, is that we're all kind of in some way or another, not exactly where we want to be. It's just it's just very acute for people who have some kind of serious illness or pain. And, and so they have the ability, they have the, the maybe the clarity or, or the lack of choice to, to sort of to work with it. So those things were very helpful in my recovery, as was my relationship with my girlfriend who became my wife. 
Um, we really that's important through. to be to have a support of another human being. I don't, I don't, I don't literally both in a practical and certainly an emotional level. I don't know how I would have gone through it. She was making my lunches. She was, you know, dressing me at times, um, you know, and then just the support is just being, being with a kind of a non-judgmental person um, was. That's quite wonderful. By the way, how did you find a non-judgmental person? Uh, we actually at the Shambhala Center, we, we were in a meditation program together. Okay. Uh, we got together before this happened. Before that, right. And I think also what you're talking about is being present, being in the moment helps to let go of that judgment. It helps to let go of the judgment. And also when you have sort of an unsolvable problem, when you're like, I'm 26 and I can't open a magazine, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You don't really want to spend a lot of time sort of thinking through the uh, possibilities. You know, right. it's, it's a lot of catastrophizing. And so being present makes it much more manageable because you're just working with, and that's what I love about the Alexander technique. You're working with what's here right now. So you one step at a time. So it allows you to go through it with a lot more sanity and strength, you know. That's wonderful. How much, how could you explain the Alexander technique in terms of how it, I don't know how it helped you, but is it affect different movements of your body? Yeah. Oh, no, that's a great question. So, yeah. So, well, one thing uh, I could say is that it really helped kind of sort out a lot of patterns that I had in my body, a lot of tension patterns. Uh, I would hunch my shoulders a lot, tighten my neck, hold my breath, none of which are uh, cardinal offenses, but right. it so happened that they made my condition much, much worse. And when a teacher could help me learn how to really lengthen my spine, really widen across my back, move in a way that is much more organized. I started to get all this circulation out to my limbs that was very healing, like the blood flow out to my hands and arms, uh, you know, better breathing, which also helps with the toxins that we, we get from chronic tension and pain. So all of these things was just really helped me um, kind of heal and and change the patterns that were putting more stress on the on my wrists and my arms so i started to move in a way that was much less stressful on all these places what it sounds like and, and is that you opened more a hundred definitely yeah yeah because i started to use my body as it was designed right you know? yes well i've done a little physical work therapy work physical therapy about opening my body and my legs my picking my toes which had been pigeon-toed and you know, changing that and how it changes and opens everything and makes it easier. Like sure does, yeah, it's, and it's a wonderful feeling. It's not just a anatomical correction, it's pleasurable. That's the thing, it's very right. well, pleasurable. In addition, in addition to, to quote healing, you feel better. Yeah, which is n not a small thing. So then you've been, you started teaching both the swimming and the Alexander and meditation classes also? Yeah, yeah, I had been, um, I had been a meditator since college and I got my training um, maybe also uh, uh, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit before. And what's been really interesting is that the kind of meditation that I teach now and the focus is really kind of an integration of the Alexander technique in meditation. And a lot of the people I work with are people who are experiencing pain because Mindfulness is kind of not as super, on the surface, mindfulness is not that attractive if you have a lot of pain and discomfort. 
why right. would you why would you want to zoom in on that it's not really zooming in but why would you want to pay more attention and so i've really worked with the ways of how we can use mindfulness and the alexander technique to help us kind of deal with strong emotions um, deal with pain in a way that it more moves through us rather than it kind of gets stuck well that that sounds marvelous i don't know how to ask this question but it was like how do you said how how to do the be more mindful of of your pain or of things around your pain well yeah there's a there's a, a many different kind of approaches but i'll share like one one thing that i think is an important thing to keep in mind here is that um what we tend to our our, our response to pain which is sort of a, a, a learn an evolutionary response so it's not a, a failing on our part is that we either tend to kind of like push it away not notice it and we just live up in our head. Maybe we're, even though we, part of us knows that our knees are really hurting us. And so we're constantly thinking, okay, I should go to the gym more. I should call my PT. Let me get to a chair. Where's there a chair? You know, what, let me take a pain reliever. All of we we're, so we're constantly strategizing about the pain in our head. Or the other thing that we tend to do is we tend to really hyper-focus on it. And that's just because our brain is wired to really pay a lot of attention to pain which makes sense in an acute situation, you know, you just sprained your ankle or something, but is less um, helpful and effective when it's chronic. And so one of the ways that I teach is when we're talking about posture, which the Alexander Technique talks about, if we're talking about meditation posture, whether you're lying down or sitting up, and I often teach a lying down practice, you know, it's really expanding your field of awareness. So it's not just your knee or your hip or your back, which is where your mind keeps getting drawn but also the environment around you. And when you start to include the environment and the sounds around you, one, it stimulates a natural expansion process in your body, which is your posture. And two, it kind of helps us focus less on the pain, which means we're tightening less around it. Same with our emotions, we're tightening less around them. We're not trying to stop it as much. And so the process kind of is allowed to unfold more. So that that's one way it is, and actually, and, and even just having an intention of, I don't have to focus so much on my own back right now, which doesn't mean I'm going to ignore my own back. Of course, I'm going to keep getting sensation, but you're sending the message to your brain, essentially that like you are allowing, you can also include the rest of the world with it too. You know, it's not just it, your back. It sort of sounds like you're saying also part of that is acceptance, not pushing it away, acceptance. This is what I have. This is yeah, this have. is what I have. And it doesn't mean it's always going to stay this way. You right. know, that's, Sometimes acceptance by pe people think that means, and I'm gonna have this bum knee forever. Well, we don't know, you know, and, and it's, it's harder to remain in the uncertainty. You know, it's interesting. There's been research that people are more scared of getting, a, getting uncertain news than even a bad diagnosis sometimes. Right, right. That's why a lot of times they don't go get a second diagnosis. No. Yes, well, that, that kind of naturally brings us to where we all are today, yes. the uncertainty. Uh-huh. And how, how have you noticed, I mean, I'm sure you have, how, it, how this pandemic has affected you personally in your life and how it's affected your, your clients that you work with and your work? Well, it's really changed my work. I mean, in, in a concrete way, I've really, you know, I, I had to stop doing in-person teaching for a long time. Now I'm just starting again up near me, but I had to let go of that. And uh, so it really changed the way that my business was all the group retreats. I was supposed to be teaching group retreats this summer and later right. in the spring. So I've been teaching more online. And I think that 
what all of us, you know, one of the great, one of the things that has been helpful in this pandemic is that we have technology. So you and I can chat on Zoom and we can stay connected with our loved ones without any risk, you know, of coronavirus. But almost everyone I talk to is oversaturated with screen time. And, and so they're kind of, every, you know, part of what we've all had to work with is how to kind of set more boundaries around that so that we can also take care of our body and take care of our mind because we're wired to want to kind of uh, reduce uncertainty so that you might think you're reducing uncertainty by checking the news every five minutes, you know, or something or your email. And so for me, I've really had to kind of up my game in terms of uh, making sure I have a regular meditation practice, making sure I'm getting outside every day. And exercise has become almost like a spiritual practice for me. It's been, or at least key to my mental health has been exercise. And I think that's been true for a lot of people. Yes, I agree with you. Being active in any way, uh, I would love it for myself if I could go back into swimming. Um, that, would, that was one of my favorite places, not only to swim, but to meditate. I yeah. think meditating while swimming is, is, is possibly my favorite thing to do. Me when, too. When it's allowable. But yes, I mean, listening to news is, is the antithesis of relaxing or fig figuring out what's going to happen. All yeah. you hear is how bad everything is. That's right. That's right. And so, yeah, I think like the, for when I've been teaching, what's been really helpful for people has been reconnecting to their bodies. Because even though, you know, many of them are just alone in their apartment or their house all day, we're so pulled out of our bodies by media, by stress, by being speediness, whatever it may be. And so um, just reconnecting to the body is, is something that people have found very helpful. It's also uh, what I'm finding, and I hear a lot of people saying this, that we are in touch with lots and lots of people with Zooms and this and this, and we feel very lonely. Yeah. Is that some of the experience for you too? I think so. I think it's been very helpful for me to, well, I think, you know, I think America, you know, if I could speak very broadly, kind of as a, uh, it's not necessarily a culture in which kind of like speaking openly about uh, difficulties is uh, valued, you right. know, as to say the least. And so everyone's having a hard time right now and, and in different ways. And so, you know, things are coming up that are challenging and things that we're not so proud of, we're feeling things that we're kind of ashamed of or feeling stuck or whatever it may be. And I think a lot of those experiences do make us feel more alone. You know, if we think, well, no one else feels this way or I should be feeling different. Right. And this is where at least my own personal experience has been being a member of a seven step a 12 step group, seven step. I don't know what I did with all the steps. The 12 step group, you know, where people do share honestly about what they're feeling is been helpful, definitely. Very healing, very healing. Yeah. Now, I understand that you also do some things that offer help in this time because a lot of people are without support, without help, and can't afford that much as, as, as in these days when they're out of work, too. What, what is it that you've been doing? So, I've been, I have two main kind of offerings right now that are for anybody. And uh, one is uh, every week I send out uh, a newsletter and the newsletter is, uh, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a writer and that was really what I had been doing and I've kind of been able to get back into that thanks to speech recognition and uh, working on a book in fact. But I, I send out a newsletter 
each week that I find is, is really helpful for people because it's kind of encouraging people in their own wellness and their own health practice. It's kind of this intersection of health and spirituality. I interview lots of innovative thinkers. I share research and you know, uh, give some teachings and examples that's usually funny. It's called The In-Between. So you can sign up for The In-Between on my website, which is dankayer.co. Um, and then the other thing that I offer is a Monday night drop-in class called Focus and Relax, which I started way back in March, right when this was beginning. And I just felt a need, we, you know, I need to practice with other people. You know, I need to have that community feeling like you were saying you have in your in your 12 step group, you know, so that's every Monday night at 8 p.m. And that's pay what you can. And that's that's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and I recognize that I'm doing this show because I had I had retired from doing podcasts, but I came back because I needed to do something and I needed to be touched by people like yourself who had a positive approach. And so this is one of the things I'm doing to help me. Hopefully it helps you and whoever listens to it, but it helps me. Yeah, yeah, you got to connect. You got to connect. Definitely. Connection is important. Even the small connections. I go out and get a, a cup of tea. I, I take a walk in the morning, which we talked about exercise and walking. Stop at one place, get a cup of tea. And just saying hello to the person serving me the tea is a connection, a micro yeah. connection, but it feels nice. I, you know, it's, I have someone in my family who she's, um, she lives alone and is older and and she says that going to Costco each week right now is like a chance for her to like, you know, see people and say hi and, and, and receive, be friendly and receive friendliness. And it's meaningful. It really is. It's extremely meaningful. You mentioned the book. And I think if I'm not if I'm mistaken, the book is called Don't Get Better. Is that what you're writing? Yeah, it's a book called Don't Get Better. And the title is a somewhat facetious, but it's basically about this drive that we have when things aren't going so well for us, whether we have some illness or a breakup or, you know, just, or it's 2020 uh, and things aren't going so well, there's this really strong drive. I call it like the treadmill of self-improvement to constantly always be trying to sort of be better, you know, to feel different, feel more in control, feel more accomplished, you know, be less ashamed of things that, you know, that less ashamed of where you are. And basically, the treadmill of self-improvement is an incredibly kind of um, neurotic kind of experience where we're totally living up in our head and we're disconnected from our body and our heart. And so the book Don't Get Better is really about in this moment, while we all have this pl plans, many of which are healthy to kind of improve our lives, improve our health, make more money, whatever it may be, redo our house in this moment moment by moment, there's nothing we can do to improve this moment. The moment's already here. It's already arrived. And so that attitude is very helpful if that's part of your path to realize that you don't want to always constantly be striving to have a different moment than the moment you're having. Right. And that that makes me think of the, the saying that I heard a long time ago, what the definition of shame is should have already mastered everything. Oh, yeah. It's like, we got to keep going. I got to get it. I got to get it. I'm going to be, when I master it, I'll be fine. Everything will be okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even though we, there's very little evidence that anyone has ever done that. So. Right. Well, looking ahead, even though we don't know what's coming, what would your vision be? What is your vision? What would you like to see all of this lead us to in your point of view? Well, it certainly seems, and this is uh, just, it's in the air. Uh, one thing is, um, 
is I'll just before I say that it just makes me think of, you know, a while ago, a friend of mine named Ethan Nickturn, who's a Buddhist teacher. Someone told him he was talking with this a Buddhist teacher and the teacher said if the Buddha was going to come back right now, the, the Buddha was a monk back then. He said the Buddha would come back as an activist right now. <laughs> and I do feel that it's just in the air and it's kind of made, you know, where things are coming to the surface that there's going to be this an increased sense of social engagement and civic engagement and that these self-care practices and these wellness and healing practices shouldn't just exist in a silo apart from that, that it should be some kind of thing where they're able to feed each other, where we're able to be sustainable and take care of ourselves, but also step out of our comfort zone. So the goal isn't to just always be in our comfort zone, but to also step out and, 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 and make change and grow. Right. Well, change is necessary. And if, if we've learned anything, I guess it's, by this whole situation is that we do make have to make a lot of changes to make things better. Yeah, exactly. We can't just, you can't just sit back. And even if you're a meditator, you can't just sit back and meditate. There's, there's more, you know, and there's a kind of engagement and it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's what's being asked for. Right. Well, there's meditation, which is wonderful and it helps, but that allows me to do something. Sure. Exactly. The energy strength and sanity to do something. Yeah. Well, Amazingly, at the, at the end of our time, this goes very quickly when you're having a good time, which I am. But Dan, if people would like to learn more about what you do and you get on your list or whatever, how would they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, they can go on my website, which is Dan Kayer, C-A-Y-E-R. So it's D-A-N-C-A-Y-E-R dot C-O. So it's Dan Kayer dot C-O. On my website, you'll see what place to sign up for the in-between, all my workshops, and retreats are up there. And also there's an option for a free phone consultation too. So someone can also always sign up for that too. Well, Dan, that's wonderful. I thank you very much. So let's just, I'm gonna say it one more time. Dan Kaya, C-A-Y-E-R.com? Uh, .co. Dot .co. .co, sorry. That's yeah. what, that gets a little confusing, .co. Yes. Okay, and that's Another Dan Kayer exists already with a... Ah, uh, I yeah. see. How could that be, another one exists? I think, actually, it's the he's a film composer. He makes a movie scores. That's the oh. same one. Yeah. Okay. He's doing good well, work. Well, thank you very much, Dan. This has been a fascinating talk, and I'm so glad you came here, and I'm so glad that people can listen to what you have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day.